Happy Friday. We've made it. It's Friday. Oh my gosh, you guys, this week has flown by. I cannot believe that it's Friday, but I feel like I say that every Friday, except for last Friday because I wasn't on. Anyway, it's Friday. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Anne-Marie. Hello, hello. I hope that um, Kenya is is amazing. I hope that you're having the best time. And I do love that you just responded to my husband and said <laughs> hello to his hello love. And I when when his message came across, I saw the twinkle in Vince's eye and knew that that he also wanted to respond <laughs> to to John. So I, I, oh yes, yes, it is. I'm sure that it is. Oh my gosh. I've thought about you so much as this week has gone on. Diane, hello. Good morning from Ontario. Wow. That is awesome. Um, who else is on? If you're on and you have not said hello, you have a duty because you can't join this and not say hello. This is there is there is requirements of you if you're going to listen and you can't be a silent listener. You have to respond. It's the rules. I make them up as I go. Anyway, good morning. It is rainy and it is cloudy and it was thundering this morning. Wait, it's fall. It is fall. If if only it <laughs> <laughs> Chris is watching. Hello, Chris. And Chris is on time. My goodness. Congratulations, friend. Anyway, it's fall and I'm waiting for the, the temperatures to represent the season because it is still going to be 85 degrees today and was already super humid at like, what was it? 730 that I was outside. So um, very humid rainy, stormy, and Friday. So here we go. Okay, guys, I want to talk about the um, mother heart of God. Um, I've had a, a few different encounters this week that has really brought that to my attention. And it's really easy for us to get sucked into the way that God is, is representing himself right now and to forget all of the various natures that that he represents and a mother's heart is one of them and and how many of you actually when you consider the mother heart of god immediately start thinking of more of a softer side of of who he is and chris you're cracking me up um <laughs> um if that's you then I, I hope that I can change your mind because there is um, there is more of a violent nature to the mother heart of God. And um, I'm sure most of you have seen that um, our daughter had a baby last Friday, a little Rosh Hashanah baby. That is just mind blowing to me. You know, it was it was the beginning of the month and it being the ninth month. God was making a big deal about it being birthing season. And and I knew I mean, obviously she was due in, in September anyway. But for her to have her baby on Rosh Hashanah was just kind of like, oh, OK, here we go. And um, her isn't she beautiful, Diane? Oh, she is the sweetest, most precious, but aren't all babies. <laughs> She she is very dear. So anyway, 
we spent the majority of the week with our daughter and son-in-law and precious new granddaughter. And, um, and it was, it was very grounding for me. It was a grounding experience and, and watching how my daughter interacted with um, her daughter and, um, and, and remembering how on demand you are as a mother of a newborn. Like it is, it's a demanding life change. Like you go from, you know, carrying a baby around with you and griping a bit about how uncomfortable it is and, and all of that. And just aching for the day to come when the, the baby is, is born. Thank you. Chris. Um, and, um, and, but then there is just such a high demand put on a mother and there's something so, um, delightful about the demand about being the one who can provide the nurture and the sustenance for a helpless being, a, a super helpless baby. Like a baby can't do anything for itself, but cry, wiggle, and she is wiggly. My gosh, she's a wiggly baby. And and so that, that was very eye-opening for me in, in remembering that that is us, that we are we are that that helpless nature without the sustenance and the provision of God. Thank you, Maria. Um, we we are, are completely helpless in and of ourselves. In fact, if we are attempting to go at it in our own strength, we are destined to create a disaster. This is just what's true of us. If we attempt to do things in our own strength and and by redoubling our efforts and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, we are going to make a mess. We are going to create disaster everywhere we go because we were created to be dependent on God. And and he is he is El Shaddai, right? He is, he is nurturing. That is his nature is to be nurturing. And, and I know that there, there's a lot of argument out there about what El Shaddai actually means, but it really does mean one of its meanings is the, the many breasted one, the, the mighty breasted God. And, and, and I know that we can look at that in, in both directions. A mighty breasted God would be, you know, John, the beloved, laying his head on the, on the breast of Jesus. Um, we can look at scripture that tells us that, that um, all those that, that passed on are held in the bosom of Abraham. We, we also know that there is a feminine nature to who God is because in Genesis, it tells us that he made us on day six. He made us all in his likeness, male and female. He made us and he declared that it is good. So we're made in the likeness of God. And there is there is something about having to be dependent on God to the same level as an infant is dependent upon a mother 
for sustenance, for nurturing. And I had an encounter, and I've told this story before, but I had an encounter with God years ago. Um, well, several years ago, anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Diane, it, 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 it's intimidating is what it is. Um, and I was, I, I was in corporate worship and, and was just really enjoying um, magnifying God. And, and oftentimes this is the space that the Holy Spirit comes in and wants to have a conversation with me. And it's always so funny to me because I'm kind of like, not now I'm worshiping. <laughs> it's just kind of my, it's just, the, I'm just being honest with you. And um, because we're, I love worship. I love worship. And, um, but anyway, so Holy Spirit comes in and he starts talking to me about what happens in worship, that there is a bonding that takes place in worship. In this particular season, God was really honing in on what it was that we were singing and um, and, and how I needed to be mindful to, to not sing things that weren't actually true, that um, that we needed to be mindful about how we're bonding with God. And he really, he really began to break it down for me. And I was just weeping before God had, because I was just so moved by what it was that he was expressing to me. And he was, he was revealing himself in a more mother-like nature because he said to me that the same chemical that is released when a, an infant is nursing oxytocin, oxytocin, um, it, it, it creates a bonding between a mother and her child. It is the same thing that happens when we worship him, that there, it is, there is a bonding that takes place. And that same oxytocin is, is released in us to create a bond between us and the God that we're singing about. And this is why it becomes so important that, that we, um, when we are offering him worth that we're doing so in truth, right? Like we cannot bond with God over just anything. And this is how we have created, um, honestly, some idolatry in, in our lives. This is how we've created altars that, um, where we're offering up strange fire because we're not regarding him rightly in the fullness of his nature. And, and we sing songs about, you know, our, our own failings and our own shortcomings and, 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 and how the one that really gets me, you guys, that really gets me is the song that talks about the father turning his face away. That's the song that really gets me going because we know that scripture actually tells us that the father was in Christ on that cross, reconciling the world to himself. And this is a beautiful picture of the, the mother nature of God also, where it, it, when, when we create a picture of God separated from Jesus, one, we're missing out on a very important aspect of union um, and to, 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 to make it so that the father is turning his face away. And we've gone so far with this thought process that it's because the, fa the father has to turn his face away because he can't look on Jesus because of the sin that has been heaped upon him. You guys, I understand the Psalm. 
right? I get it. I understand Psalm 22 that this is, is it Psalm 22 or Isaiah 22? Hmm, somebody tell me, can't remember. Now all of a sudden I'm questioning myself. Um, uh, where uh, it, 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 declares that, that, that the father turns away from the son. And, um, and, and I understand, I understand where that comes from also, but we have to understand, is it Isaiah? Thank you, Anne-Marie, you're the best. Isaiah 22, <clears throat> where, um, but he's in, the father is in the son reconciling the world to himself. And then what happens? We know that that Jesus fulfills prophecy because one of, in multiple ways, but one of the things is that that not a single bone would be broken, and and the guards, the soldiers, were going around and breaking the legs. So there were three of them that were crucified that day, thieves on each side of Jesus, which is also a beautiful picture, but not for today. Um, and, and they break their legs so they die quicker because per the request of the religious elite, because, you know, we can't have a mess on Passover. And yes, yes. I, I actually think that it's, it might be both. <laughs> is it? Vincent shaking his head. It is. It's both. I think both Psalm 22 and Isaiah 22 um, both talk about this. Um, I'm not as confused as I seem. Um, and, um, but, but they go to, to break the legs of Jesus and they're like, uh, there's, there's no reason, you know, and instead they take a, a spear and pierce the side of Jesus and blood and water gush forth from Jesus and, and this is such a beautiful picture because we have to go back to the garden to understand what's really going on here. We have Adam who's been put into a deep sleep and, um, and, and God pulls a rib from him, from his side. He pulls woman from his side. And the same thing is being done while Jesus is hanging on the cross he pulls the entirety of the bride from the side of Christ. And, and uh, that, that becomes our, our new creation birth. And oh my gosh, what a lovely picture that is. And, and, and so my whole point in, in wanting to talk about this is, is to really bring to the forefront of our minds that even though we are in a, a more militant season, we cannot, we can't turn our backs on how dependent we need to be on El Shaddai, on, on the one who nurtures, on the one who supplies, right? He's the one, he's, oh, guys, Matthew, let's go there really quick. Matthew 23, 37. If this doesn't reveal a, a mother nature of God, um, I, I, I don't really know what does. Um, it says, oh. Uh, did I say where we're going? Matthew 23, 37. Um, o Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are the city that murders your prophets. You are the city that stones the very messengers who were sent to deliver you. So many times I have longed to gather a wayward people as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you 
were too stubborn to let me. This one gets me where Jesus is like, Jesus is pointing them to their own history. He's like, I have sent messengers throughout time to bring you into deliverance, to, to, to bring you back into my, my supplement. And, and Jesus says, oh, can't you feel? I mean, I can just feel the passion and the compassion that, that's just exuding from him that I have longed to gather you under my wings like a hen gathers her her chicks. And, and as a mother, and I'm not saying that fathers don't do this too, but as a mother, one of my, my favorite things is when all of my kids are home at the same time. And because I love for them to be in the same space at the same time, I, I just, it's, it's one of my favorite things. And, and, and I, have the joy of really just sitting there quietly and observing the conversations that are going on and, and how they walk back through history together and, and start talking about different moments that have happened. And, and sometimes that's them ganging up on my husband and I and talking about, you know, how we wrongly punished them for different things and, you know, <laughs> kids do. And there are six of them plus two sons-in-law. <laughs> and so, you know, we don't really have a legacy stand on. But it is my greatest joy when this happens, when when they all gather under the same place. And so I feel Jesus's heart in that, where he's longing to gather all together under under his wings. And so we've talked about a lot here. We've talked about the the chemical that is released when we're worshiping. So I want us to be mindful of that, of what happens, what transpires when we are thinking of Jesus, when we are beholding the lamb, that it matters very much what we are bonding with him over because a legit function within us is occurring at this moment, right? Like we are truly being bonded to whatever it is that we're thinking about when we're worshiping. Guys, this is how this is how God is magnified and this is how idols are made. We need to be very very mindful because we were born to worship. We were spoken into existence to worship. The 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 when he breathed life into us, it was the winds of worship that fill us and so we are releasing those winds no matter what. Don't you like to think about the breath of God as winds? of worship. Ah, I could just get myself undone right here and right now. But when we are everywhere we go, all that we do all day long, we are releasing those winds of worship and, and we are, we are making something. We are shifting atmospheres and we are erecting idols and we are um, creating, um, you know, places of remembrance and all day long we're doing this. And, and so we have to become very mindful about what it is that, that we are pondering, what is going on in our minds, because what you think about, you bring about, right? 
Because when when you're having a thought that is just kind of recurring and it's rolling around in your mind and you're not taking it captive, because how do we know, right? How do we know that it is what God is wanting to release in the right time if we don't take that thought captive and submit it to his lordship? For me, I have a very distinct picture of this, and this goes probably back to my mother nature also, but do you remember those toys? They're typically blue on one side and red on the other, and they have different shapes all around them. They're plastic, and and then they have the, the yellow pieces that fit into the shapes, right? The shape goes in the shape cut out, and then you can pull it apart and release all the shapes. This is how I picture this moment, that if we have a thought about Jesus or have a thought period that does not fit in the context of his Christ-like nature, it's got to go, right? There are very specific shapes that can fit within the nature of Christ. Not everything goes. Not everything gets a pass. This is why we have to take every thought captive unto his lordship. Like if it can't fit in Jesus, it can't exist here. Because what's happening is our thoughts inform our worship. When we think something, our heart begins to agree with it. And out of the overflow of the heart, mouth speaks, right? Are you seeing how this happens? Our thoughts hit our hearts. And then we speak it. And the moment that we speak, actually the moment that we start allowing those thoughts to ruminate and become us, that's when it hits our heart. And we begin to bond over those thoughts, whether they fit in Christ or not. And this is why it's so important. This is like one of the the, the, the biggest battleground for us is our, our thought life, is what's going on in our minds, because we are bonding we are bonding with different thoughts. So let's really begin to hone in on that and practice and make sure that we aren't bonding over things that are errant. And, and this is this is also why this is another reason why, why Jesus was not able to gather Jerusalem under his wings because the people couldn't get along, right? This is what happens. Our community can't get along. We reject one another because we can't agree on things because most of the things that we allow to be thoughts to hit our heart and spoken aren't really of Christ and they need to go. We are bonding over things that actually divide us rather than merge us. We are made for oneness. We are made for oneness and our thoughts should not just be bonding us to Christ, but bonding us in our oneness, right? This does not mean that we all agree on everything. It just means that the things that we stand for create a bonding. Don't you love that? Okay, let me get back to my notes. Let's go to Psalm 42, and this will be a... Um, a familiar um, part of scripture for you because we've got a song that comes straight out of this. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee, is how the song goes. My soul longs after you. Hi, Lisa. Ah, I miss you. Um, so as the deer pants for the water, we're in Psalm 42, so my soul longs after you 
And, and this is that dependence that we're talking about is um, we need to get ourselves to this point to where we are panting for the next moment with Jesus. You guys, we so desperately need the, the winds of worship that are in us. We've used them for so many different things, and we definitely we desperately need God thoughts to hit us. I was I was sitting, um, so my husband and I had the opportunity to go and do some land research, <laughs> and and um, it, it was very very good. It was good. We were doing land research, and. Um, and, and it took us to a, um, a, a creek, I believe it was a creek, probably fed by a river or something, but, um, and it was so awesome because we were able to go down to um, where, because it, it, this creek created somewhat of a waterfall and it was just going straight off this rounded edge. And as I sat there just listening to the water, and you should probably know this about me, that the sound of running water connects me very quickly to the spirit realm, just very, very, very quickly. And, and I felt so drawn to enter in anyway, because I knew that there was something that God wanted to say to me. And as I'm sitting there, God is drawing my attention to how smooth this, the bed of this creek is where the water is going over the edge. It was so smooth and so rounded and, and the water just powerfully cascaded over it without there being any, um, there, there was nothing disturbing the water just so smoothly ran over and, and God began to, to speak to me about, about his, his, his voice being that of many waters and, and how he does the same thing to us. He smooths us out when we sit and listen to his word, when we sit and listen to his voice, it smooths things out. And, um, and so we need the power of his word to hit us on a regular basis. We need to really tune ourselves to, to hear and to be sensitive to his voice and, and to allow that to inform the thoughts that are going on in our minds so that we can have those, those smooth transitions because that water was falling. Probably I would guess about 15 feet that water was falling and that's a transition. It's a transition for the water to fall from where it was down into the lower bed of the creek. And, and, and we, we need to be able to transition more smoothly because God is looking for a people that he can move wherever he wants. You know what I'm saying? Like we are in a transition to transition to transition season because we go from glory to glory to glory. And most of us are content to stick with a, a plane of glory that we're most comfortable with, right? Because we've got it mastered. But that's not what he said. He did not say to stick around and master a, a level of glory. We, we need to stick the landing, right? And, and, and the way that we stick the landing is by agreeing. Yes, this is where you have me and I will do my best to fulfill your assignment here. But the moment that you touch down is the moment that he starts requiring something new of you. 
if you can stick the landing there, you've already got the assignment mastered. It's just your job to manifest it. And, and while you're manifesting that, he's beginning to pull you out of that and, and to stretch your faith. And so we need to we need to be smoothed out so that we can more effectively transition from glory to glory. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, Maria. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. I you're so kind to me. Um hold on. I need a drink of my tea. Um okay. So we need to we need to hunger and thirst. We need to become dependent on God for our next move. Will you turn with me to um, Song of Songs? I love do you guys love Song of Songs. I love Song of Songs. Did I want to go in this Bible? Wait, hold on. We're going to Song of Songs 4. If you're following along. Is that right? Yes, that's right. <clears throat> oh, I know what I wanted to do. We're, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because I just, the, the wording in here is is excellent. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay. We're gonna um we're gonna start. My gosh, it is so dark in here I can barely see. Um okay, this is so fun. We're going to start in, in verse seven. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw. Now you are ready, my bride. So come with me as we climb the highest peak together. Come with me through the archway of trust. This is one of my favorite parts of Song of Song. Are you picturing it? Guys, don't just read your Bibles, experience the words that are on the page. Now you are ready. So come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. This for me feels like this bridegroom moment, right? where he's lifting her up, he's cradled her, and he's carrying her through this archway of trust. I love it. And then it says, so they're up on, they've climbed, right? They've ascended. They're in this ascended place. And it says, we will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary together we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. Now, why am I reading this? Because it's really important that we understand that God can take us into these heights. And, and we tend to, to want to 
to lay within the comfort of a mother's heart. Okay. Can I say it like that? We, we, we tend to, when, when he brings us in, we, we want, we want to stop within the nurture and we have to teach ourselves to experience the fullness of who he is, which means the same way that I just talked about that water transitioning and how the words of God, his voice can smooth us out so that we can transition more fluidly. This is how we actually need to learn to transition between the different nature, the different character of God, because Right now, the majority of us are are so jolted by the way that God is is coming at us that we've been taken out. We've been taken out by the nature of God. We don't like the fact that he's come to us in a more militant fashion. We don't like it that, that he's demanding things of us. It's taken us out, right? Like we're looking for people to pin the blame on because of the way God is showing up right now, which is just, I, I can't apologize on behalf of God. It's just the way that he's showing up, but we need to be able to transition fluid. Yes, Anne-Marie, it's just, it's just how he's showing up. We need to be able to transition more fluidly between the nature of God that we not just that, that we, we allow his nurturing nature, that mothering, that mothering stance of God to, to hold us and, and love us and, 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 and help mold us, but we cannot just stay there. It's for a purpose that, that he is creating a dependency in us, in his, his more mother-like nature. He's, he's creating a bond with us to depend on him, to need him, to want him for our very next breath, right? However, I cannot stay right there. I still need to subject myself to a fuller scale, so to speak, or spectrum of who he is. Because if I stay there alone and I put an expectation on God that you are only the nurturer, then I will never be prepared for what is taking place on the earth today by God's hand. I will reject it because I have only made myself familiar with the nurturing side of God. And I need him in a militant fashion so that I can better know how to take on the enemy. And that's what he's talking about here. He's like, yeah, I carried you through the archway of trust. I, I ascended with you. I brought you on high, not so you can lay back and do nothing, so you can war more effectively. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, and we look down from the crest of the glistening mountain and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary, Together, we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair. Now, how, what, what's the nature of a lion? What does a lion do? When, when a lion is hunting from on high, they've spotted their prey and they attack from a higher place. If anybody's ever had a cat, this gives you a picture of how cats act. And whether they are just a, a small house cat or a very large wild lion, 
they have the same characteristics when it comes to hunting. Um, doesn't matter whether they're hunting a, a mouse, a bird, or your toes. They have the same nature. They will hide on high and attack you when you are least expecting it. I've, wa- I've had cats and I have watched my cat was a hunter and he was also very cuddly and loving. And so uh, there you go again with the, the, the best of both, you know, he was militant and one of the sweetest cats ever. And he could shift like that, but he would crouch low and, and just wait until his prey was unsuspecting of his presence and he would attack that thing and he would attack that thing and he would take it back up to his place on high to, to feast on it. And that's what this scripture is talking about is, is that God, he, he longs to teach us to wage war. He was fully victorious. Jesus was fully victorious says the lion of Judah, right? Fully victorious. And he has given it to us, his offspring, to put his victory on display. It's who we are. It's just who we are. Now, you can even look at at, at this as a lioness. And actually, if you flip over to, and let's go there really quick. If you flip over to Genesis Genesis 49, where um, Jacob is is prophesying over his sons. Um, This is a great chapter, but I just want to read the part about Judah. Um, It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing in the darkness. Um, From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he stretches out like a lion and like a lioness, who will rouse him up? And and this is is very, very similar to what we just read in Song of Songs. And um, where where the the lion and the lioness, they, they live on high. Their eye is ever on the prey always on the enemy, always knowing who their enemy is. You guys, we half the time, we can't even rightly distinguish our own enemy because we've gotten into the habit of, of calling things that are evil good. We haven't agreed with God in this area because we've become so squishy because we've only familiarized ourselves with the parts of God that we're most comfortable with. And this is why we've rejected him in this season is because he's showing up in a different way that we are not familiar with. And I love it that in Genesis 49, that he throws in that it's a lion and like a lioness. Because it is typically a lioness that goes and kills and brings back to devour. Not as powerful really powerful. And so I don't want us to get into a mindset of thinking that the mother heart of God is only squishy. That's that's not the case. In fact, 
lately, God has been showing me the same thing over and over and over again. He's been talking to me a lot about um, discipleship, about being discipled and what that actually looks like and what that all entails and, and how we need to be desiring that, not just to be discipled. Listen, don't be the person with your hand out only. You need to be looking for where your hand can be placed. How can you spur on the next generation? How can you spur on those next to you? How can you demand something of the person next to you? This is what he's talking about in terms of discipleship to me. And he showed me a, 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 someone who is, is like a spiritual mother to me. And he, he showed me myself on my knees with my head bowed low to the ground. And in her hands was a sword and her sword was on the back of my neck. And I understand this is, this is fierce. And this is, this is even like this, this pushes us a little bit, makes us a little bit uncomfortable. But the thing is, is that discipleship is a, it is a demand that we lose our lives to follow Christ. And that's what this picture is. It's a, it's a violent demand with her sword at the back of my neck is a demand that I live a sacrificial life, that I live a life that represents the very nature that Jesus Christ came in. If you have not yet seen the fact that he was on a suicide mission for the greater good of all, he died so that we all may live. You've missed the gospel completely. We lay down our lives so that we can live. We lose our lives to gain everything. So as, as this is all unfolding for you, I want you to just really begin to test what it is that you actually believe about God. That even in his mothering nature in the way that he nurtures us and sustains us and causes us to be dependent on him. There is a fierce demand on our lives. Paul said it best. I die daily. If you want to know where his success came from, I die daily. No, don't get foolish. Don't go off the rails here. This is not you carrying a wooden cross up and down your city streets. That is not it at all. Actually, if you want to get straight to the point, you're going to have to look at what capital punishment looks like in your nation. If you really want to represent what Christ did. So don't get foolish. This simply means you find an altar life where you can lay yourself down because it is the demand of the mother heart of God. We lose our lives to gain everything. But we've got to become a whole lot more vulnerable and transparent with one another. With one another if we're going to gain, we can't die only. We can't just have this show of like, oh, I lay Angie down. What does dying look like for you in this season? What is it that Jesus is wanting to overcome in your life? 
every victory that we have is for the sheer purpose of being able to apply it with those all around us. But we can't do it alone. Because if you think that you can die to that thing that has you hostage right now without telling the people in your life what you're struggling with, (laughs) you've been deceived. And here's the thing. Years ago, 2018, five years ago, a little more than five years ago, I was at a, a Bethel worship thing, Open Heavens thing that they were doing. I was down in Dallas. And in the middle of, of all that was going on, God, God gave me a name and he called me violent. And, and he said to me, you're just like your father. I'm not going to go into that. But God started revealing himself as violent to me. I was not comfortable with this at all, at all, not one bit was I comfortable with the idea of violence. Violence was somewhat real to me and I wasn't comfortable with that, but yet God named me violent. And so it was my responsibility to investigate that, like, God, what are you talking about? What does this mean for me? What are you saying about me? What is in my nature that I've covered up that you want to reveal? And now I've found myself in a place where this violence is is manifesting itself in a demand on the lives of the people all around me. Where I'm still uncomfortable with it, you know? Trust me, I would rather talk like Jesus than be like, come here, little chicken. Let me gather you. I just want to squish you. And I did. I had that opportunity to to minister to people a, a couple of months ago in a way that was a little more motherly and a little less violent. And up to that point, it was all violence that was coming out of me. And I was uncomfortable. But God gave me this moment where I was able to just hold people. And share the love of Christ with me, with them. But at the same time, there was so much fire involved in this encounter that it was, it was the best of both. It was the best of both. And so I'm just I'm very, very much learning that, that a mother's love isn't just squishy. And I know this. I've raised six kids. I know this. There, that we have to require something of those around us. If you're uncomfortable in this season, don't just dismiss it. Ask Holy Spirit to help you embrace what it is that he's wanting to do in you because it's necessary. What God is doing on the earth today requires us to be a little more violent than we're comfortable with. That picture of ascending, being at the high point of a mountaintop, and hunting and then going down and and grabbing the prey and bringing it up to devour it. That's a violent picture. But we need to become more comfortable with that. Back in in April, 
um, God had given me a word for um, when I was, it was actually in March and I went to Canada and we, we had to, to, to present what it was that, that God was saying. And, and, and that was intimidating for me, but um, I, what God had shown me was, um, was JL. And, um, and, and I really dove in to, to the story of, of JL and, um, and it had been prophesied over me back in, in 2000 and, and the word went like this, that, that I was a, a Deborah and that I had a tent peg in each hand and one was love and one was truth. And, and obviously Deborah wasn't the one with tent pegs in her hands. And, um, <clears throat> it's funny how we confuse Bible stories, but anyway, so I was familiar with the story, but, um, God was wanting to take me deeper and, and I had this encounter with him or his voice voice was resonating on the inside of me. And he was declaring in his own voice, I am JL. And he said it three different times. And so really took me on a journey to discover, oh my gosh, like who is JL? What took place? What do I not know? And, and he began to show me that, that JL took what she had and used it to glorify who he was. She's a woman. She kept the tent, right? She knows the ropes of hospitality and she used hospitality to honor God. It's a tent. So she would have had to know how to stretch wide and tight tent pegs. She knows how to work with tent pegs. And JL 100% knew who her enemy was. And this is a big deal because, because JL was married to a man who would have sided with the enemy. So JL is going with her belief here, with her faith in God to recognize her enemies. So she used all three of these things to bring in the enemy and put the enemy to death. It's a violent scene. She drives a tent peg through the head of her enemy without remorse, without apology. My goodness, we we have an apology on the backside of every move of God thinking that we have wronged each other, not jail. She drove tent peg through the head of her enemy, through the head of God's enemy. Can you identify your enemy? You can be a very common individual. You can be called to whatever. I don't care if you're changing diapers, baking bread, picking flowers, building houses, whatever it is that you do. Can you identify your enemy? important. We have to be able to drive a tent peg through the head, through the minds of our enemy. We have all kinds of enemy thoughts going on. We have to be able to drive a tent peg through that. Use what you have access to. 
hospitality is your thing, use it. But one of the most important things that we have to keep our eye on is what is at odds with God right now. That is your enemy. That is the thing that you cannot coddle any longer. I'm going to tell you one more story and then I'm going to say goodbye. I was down here at our church a couple of years ago and we had this uh, blue jay, a bird, and, and they're very prominent here. In fact, the, the high school's mascot is a blue jay. Blue jays are jerks. Let's just be honest. <laughs> blue jays will actually steal the eggs of, of other birds. They're just jerks. And um, there was a blue jay that was picking on a bat that was living in um, one of the trees. And they really are. They're just jerks. Um, and, and this blue jay was just being mean to this bat and had it out in the daylight and was just pestering, had it on the ground. I mean, like it was... Um, it was it was a sight and and it made me mad i was out there shooing the stupid blue jay away because it's picking on the little helpless bat and and this happened like a few different times the stupid bat just couldn't get away from the the blue jay and so one of the days that i had gone out there god stopped me in my track i went out there to rescue the the bat and god just stopped me in my tracks and he said angie why are you so willing to cuddle the darkness. And for me, that bat represented darkness. And because we know bats do their, their, their best in, in darkness, it's where they do their best work. And, um, and, and I was mad at the, the bird that was dressed in brilliance, right? The, the bird of the day and, uh, who could rightly identify its enemy. And, um, and I was wanting to coddle the, 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 the bird of the darkness. And God was very stern with me. He's like, Angie, you're coddling the darkness. And, and so that set me, I mean, obviously it wasn't about birds. It was about other things and, and being able to side with Jesus and agree with him on what is good and what is evil. And, um, and, and that's still a journey for me. I am still very much learning what that is all about, but you guys, it's all about what we're bonding with God over. It really is. That's the starting point. If we aren't rightly bonding with, with God over his nature, over who he is, we are going to miss it. And we're going to build something that is of no worth at all. And we will continue to coddle the darkness. And that's not who we are. We are his offspring. We, are, we, we hold the, the very winds of his worship within our lungs. We, we exist because he spoke us into existence. And so we really need to, to begin to take captive the things that are running our lives. And it all starts right here. It really is the, the battlefield of the mind. And if we don't start taking those things captive right now, we're going to miss a whole move of God because we are going to take our ability to judge and use it against God. And I don't want us to do that. 
I want us to know who he is in his nature so that when he shows up in a more militant, violent manner, we don't dismiss him. We embrace him and we allow his nature to become us. So don't stop short. Go from glory to glory, which means you go from different aspects of his nature. Go deeper in, deeper in to who God is. So Father, right now, we just thank you that you're calling us out, that you love us so much, that you call us out to become even more dependent on who you are. Yes, that we fall into you. We fall deeper and deeper into you, knowing new natures of who you are, new facets of your character every single day. Holy Spirit, would you just keep our minds sharp and give us the courage to capture those thoughts that need to just go. Some of these thoughts are so antiquated in us. They've been handed down from generation to generation and they need to be submitted and have a tent peg driven through them. Give us the courage to do so, that we would be bold. God, help us identify your enemies quickly and to deal with them swiftly. We know that you're getting us ready. You're preparing your bride to be able to host a greater greater level of glory that we've never seen. God, we recognize that, that we are your last day's instruments. We are that more potent wine that you spoke of. Sharpen us, God. Sharpen us. We love being yours. We love being sharpened by you. You're so good to us. And we love you. Amen.